Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer here with Jeff Cohen, back with you on 610 AM Sports ESPN Radio, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. When I say Jeff is here with me, he's here, but Jeff, you're on the phone, correct? I am. I'm in uh, sunny, humid, disgustingly hot Florida. It's very different without you in the studio. Uh, Brett is uh, on the other side of the glass. He's much more confident without you here. Uh, he's not. He's not worried about wearing his Kansas City gear here in studio today. Um, yeah, you probably also put the temperature up a little higher. Yeah, he won't be frozen out of the studio today, so he's a happy guy. But he's still in a sweatshirt. So you are in Florida, and you went there for business, but you were also going to do a little business for the Heart of Sports and scout the Sixers. But that's not going to work out for you, correct? No, we were watching the Eagles game last night in the sports bar, and we all said, "Hey, the Sixers are at the Heat tomorrow." Let's uh, go get some tickets and go down there. And then when we checked, we couldn't figure out why the game's at 9.30. Well, guess what? Because Sixers at heat, it means it's in Lawrence, Kansas. So the thing so, that made me laugh about that six- is that I saw that you just tweeted at the Sixers telling them that you wanted to go to the game, but that it was That's in right. Kansas. <laughs> they should be sending a charter down for us right now because we all flew down here thinking there was game down here. All right, well, try not to not move really, too much but... on the phone so that it doesn't get staticky for us. And let's go into, you said you were with a bunch of people last night, uh, a bunch of Eagles fans watching the game last night, you and your little... Yeah, uh... we took over a bar down in uh, in Florida, and uh, there was actually a band there. The band stopped playing because we were so loud. <laughs> it's Eagles fans everywhere. There are a lot of Eagles fans in the stadium last night in Carolina again, too. Eagles fans traveling well this season. Okay, so what was the reaction of the people that you were with? Give me a little color from the game. Since we were last on the air, uh, they've played two games. They played uh, the Cardinals on Sunday, which I was down at the stadium for that game. It was a ton of fun. And then they uh, played Carolina last night. So what did you see from the people you were with, Jeff? People were very excited. Uh, I mean, the Eagles have won back the city, although the Sixers are, are a close second. And uh, people had their Eagles clothing on, jerseys, shirts all over the place. People on the edge of their seats having a good time. Uh, the only thing that got them upset is the referees. Oh, we're going to get into that in a second. I'm not one to claim, complain about the refs, but I got some questions for you. So uh, can I give you a small thing that annoyed me? They did not sync up the radio and the TV. So I went to listen to Marilyn Mike, and it just didn't match up with the, the TV. So I, you know, I know everybody's into Tony Romo as a broadcaster, but I actually find myself turning off the television and just enjoying them on the radio, which was pretty cool because I could hear the Eagles fans in the stadium even better uh, on the radio. So, that, I, you know, I enjoy when it's synced up and I can watch it in real time with them calling the game and the video that I see. Didn't get that last night. I'll take it, though. Eagles are now 5-1 and one on the season after playing four of their first six on the road. Pretty impressive. Uh, if, if Philadelphia fans want to explode, teams with the two best records in the league are coached by Andy Reid and Doug Peterson. <laughs> what do you and you, and of, of those two teams, the only game that either one has lost is the Eagles to Andy Reid. Absolutely. And uh, I know Brett's on the other side of the glass praying that Kansas City continues their streak so that he can tout his fandom, longtime fandom of three and a so half what's weeks. What's he wearing this week? How much, cheap, how much cheese clothing does he on the, have on this week? Just a hooded sweatshirt. Oh, I'm not he's getting, gotta go get a jersey. I'm not getting them any more gear. I'm not playing into his fandom or whatever he calls it. So this is their third road win of the season for the Eagles. They had just won all of last season. Team's best start since 2014. Um, uh, pretty impressive. I mean, Eagles have now scored 20 or more points in 10 straight games. If I would have told you at the start of the season that this is what we were going to see from this team, would you have believed me? <laughs> No, you 
know I wouldn't have. I, I thought the Eagles were going to get off to a slow start, and I was dead wrong. This team is getting better and better, and the defense is playing much better than I thought they would. Well, let's go to the defense for a second, then we'll go back to the offense. So you want to know how good the Eagles' run defense was? This was a, a stat that just made my, my head just – I did a double take. The Panthers running backs had 13 carries for one yard. They averaged 2.76 inches per carry. You, you can't do that in the NFL. Might, might I remind you that you wanted McCaffrey in the draft? Okay, so here's the thing. I don't think that McCaffrey was the problem there, but McCaffrey definitely can't run up the middle at this point in his career, which, you know, it's not like the Eagles would have used him that way anyway. But... Can I ask a question? Exactly. Can Cam Newton complain anymore? Sure. Every time the guy gets hit, he whines to the refs. Every single hit. He's kind of got an Eli face. I know that hurts for you me to say to you. But he does. He kind of gets well, that, like, well, Eli, I'm flustered, I don't know right. what to do, you're hitting me too much, go away face. Well, yeah. right, look, right now, Eli has a right to have that face. He just lost his top four receivers all in one week. Yeah, that's a tough week for you. When, when you lose yeah. everybody you're throwing to, it's not a good week. Wentz, on the other yeah, in hand... Fact, in fact, I'm, go, I'm going to try out for the Giants wide receiver core uh, this weekend when I get back. All right, take pictures. I want to see it. Yeah. Wentz, on the other hand, was 16 of 30 for 222 yards. Last week when we were on the air, Carson Wentz had never thrown for three touchdowns in a game. Now this week when we come on the air, he's done it twice. <laughs> he's, having he's got seven touchdowns in two weeks. Seven touchdowns in two weeks. You're getting a little staticky, so be careful how you move there, where you are. Um he's got seven touchdowns in seven quarters, but five of them are to Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar. How's that for you? Well, Nelson's good at catching the difficult ball. What I've noticed is if you throw it to him when he's wide open, he still can't catch it. He can't think about it. He's... it that must be it because he had a ball over the middle that he just, that just bounced off his hands. That... That he had one that was off to the side where he like caught it with one hand and it was like 10 yards in front of him. But let's be honest, the catch in the, in the Cardinals game where he then made the move for the touchdown was pretty sick. Yes. That was definitely pretty sick. No, he's a, look, people had left him for dead, and he has come back and shown them wrong. So you got to give a guy credit. Cam Newton had attempted 52 passes, had three interceptions and two sacks. Nigel Bradham had 10 tackles. Michael Kendricks all over the place with 17 tackles. Fletcher Cox back, big uh, presence up the middle, forced in an interception for Rasul Douglas. Really exciting to see this, this defense, and they're only going to get healthier right now, you would think, with some of this time off. It, it, it'll, it'll be good to get them a little bit healthier. The, back, the defensive backfield is what has surprised me the most. They still can't catch a ball, but that's why they were put on defense. That's why they're on defense. Exactly. But, but they have played very solid defense, and that is something that I did not expect out of this group of young backfield guys. They've allowed 394 rushing yards this season. They're fewest after six games since 1954, and the fewest by any team since the 2010 Steelers. So the, the team really is getting it done. Now, one uh, unfortunate spot, Chris Maragos, looks like he might be out, torn PCL potentially. Um, that's going to hurt the special teams. Uh, he, he's, you know, he's not your, your sort of starter in the secondary on the defense, but he really is your captain of your special teams there, and, and that's going to be difficult for them. And that's important in yeah, terms of the way the Eagles play. You know, did you notice that the, that the game kind of changed when Luke Keekley went out, though? 
Yeah, can we talk it, about that it, for a second? I, I had yeah, a hard. I mean, it, so I have a hard time watching people get concussions now after all the conversations we've had about CTE. And I mean, he just got trucked by by Brooks. Uh, and this this could be the third serious concussion that he's had in the last few years. And you just got to wonder. Look, he is a great defensive player. He clogs the middle uh, as a linebacker better than anybody I've seen in the last decade or so. But the the poor guy. You just wonder if it's time that safety-wise that he's just got to say, you know what, the six years in the NFL, thats what I had a good six years, it's time for me to get out of this while I'm still semi-healthy. It's hard to watch uh, somebody get an injury like that. And you're right, the, the game changed when he went out. He is no doubt the captain of their defense. Now the captain of the Eagles' defense uh, in the middle, Hicks was out too, so they played without their middle linebacker. A lot of depth problems this week in terms of injuries that occurred during the game, players that weren't there. So both teams had to kind of gut this one out. Looked like Cam might have hurt himself or complained about hurting himself towards the end of the game when he did that Superman dive and didn't quite get into the end zone. Um, what other, any other things that really jumped out at you before we go to the refs, which jumped out at everybody? Uh, I would th- well, that's what jumped out at me, and that's what people were jumping out of their seat yesterday. So I generally don't like to complain. But the Eagles had 126 penalty yards, and the Carolina Panthers had one. That's quite a differential. Uh, according to Dave Zangaro of NBC Philly, this is the first time in NFL history that one team had over 120 penalty yards while the other had fewer than 10. I don't know how that can be. Uh, there, there is no way that that can be legitimate. I am also not somebody to blame the refs, but, but not only did he do that and, and did they do that in this game, but there's a stat that the last four times Pete Morelli's crew officiated an Eagles game, the Eagles have 40 penalties and the opponents have, drumroll please, eight. How can you have five times as many penalties on one team as opposed to the opponent? The Eagles aren't the only team complaining about that either. I saw Minnesota was complaining about week two when they went on the road against Pittsburgh. Some of the calls that were made in that differential, it seems to be the complaint against him that people have is that he gets sort of caught up in the moment of the home team. Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying, again, I don't like to complain about the refs, but some of the stuff in that game was crazy. Uh, it just, well, I, I, I don't know if Pete Morelli has only refed away games with the Eagles, though. I think this is home and away. No, in the home game, he, it's funny. He refed the home game against the Eagles in Carolina and actually called 10 penalties against Carolina when it was in Philly. But it, I don't know what it is, but it was very frustrating last night to watch that game. Look, nobody watches football to see the refs throw flags. You could throw a flag on every play in the NFL. And last night they chose to throw them on a lot of plays where the Eagles had things. The two longest plays from scrimmage for Carolina were on the pass interference calls against Jalen Mills. And the one was not even catchable. Look, I mean, you can call pass interference every time. There, at this point, if you're a defensive back, you can barely touch the wide receiver without having it called. I, I just the consistency is what I don't understand. Then you've got there just seemed to be no rhyme or reason to what they were calling. It, it was it was a very you know usually you have refs that are either calling it tight or not calling it tight. And in this game, there one minute you were just sitting there going, why didn't they call it? And the next, almost an identical play for the other team. And they call it. You got to be whatever they're going to do. You got to be consistent. You got to do it in every sport. And I don't understand why referees just don't get that. The way to get the least amount of criticism is just to be consistent in the way you call it, even if people think you're wrong about the calls that you're making. 
you had one play where there was a 15-yard unsportsmanlike uh, conduct play on LeGarrette Blunt for continuing a block during the play, and then you had one where Blunt gets thrown off of the pile and there's nothing called. It was just inconsistent and didn't really make sense to me. Eagles still won. It's it's for me. It's not a complaint. It's it's just a lack of understanding of how the NFL can allow this to happen regularly. Like this isn't a one-off. That oh, you know, there just happened to be this disparity. This is a pattern now. And you know, Doug Peterson was was what you would think from a coach in terms of not wanting to go after it. My guess is they're sending some clips to the NFL office saying, uh, "What's going on here, guys?" Yeah, wouldn't you like to see Peterson throw down a clipboard, though? I, Just see, see a little bit of emotion out of him? Is that his personality, though? Uh, I mean, he got, I, look, I think he got them when they didn't come to him and offered him to, to go for two on the on the uh, penalty, uh, penalty on the touchdown. I mean, he... I, 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 think, I think that people just want to see a little bit... You don't expect Buddy Ryan, obviously, but but you got to see just a little bit of emotion out of him. The rest of the team, you see plenty of emotion out. I, I, I'm loving the celebrations. I don't know about you, but the relaxed rules on celebrations... It's so much I fun. I think it's endearing people to the players in, in a way that they haven't been able to for a while. The, the celebrations that the Eagles are coming up with are clever... They're classy. They're not. They're not in your face against the other team. They're not Odell Beckham like. And I, and I think that those are the kind of celebrations that the NFL should have allowed all the time. But the Eagles are, are perfecting those celebrations. Somebody pointed out to me that the difference, and and really the Eagles are playing as a team. Cam Newton scores a touchdown. He pushes his teammates away to do his little celebration where he pulls his shirt open. The Eagles are team celebrations. They're passing yeah. the ball around to spike it. Last week they're doing the the baseball pitch and hit out of the park on the on the touchdown and and so they they seem to be having fun now in terms of Doug hopping and down, up and down throwing clipboards I've been as skeptical as anybody these players clearly like playing for him I mean if, if there's one thing that you can say this team has been prepared to play every game this year they I mean oh, he's he's look he's Andy Reid light he's, he seems to have the same personality he's running things the same way. Uh, he clearly is the disciple of Andy Reid, which is not necessarily a bad thing. The question is whether he can take it to a level that Andy couldn't. Do you think if the two of them played each other in the Super Bowl, eventually they just give unlimited timeouts? <laughs> <laughs> Clock management, people. They, 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 they would certainly need it. Otherwise, the last couple minutes would be a train wreck. Right. And look, the game last night did well. Ratings were up 7% for CBS. So, you know, people were interested in the game. It's, it was one of the better, more entertaining Thursday night games. You know my opinion about Thursday night football. I am not a fan. Kudos to the Eagles for a short week going on the road, um, showing up and, and really playing well. The Eagles have now won three in a row at home and have 11 days off until their next game against Washington on Monday night, which they'll need. They've got a couple injuries. It doesn't seem like the, the Hicks injury is too serious. He's expected to be a practice. Like we said, Maragos is out. Um, you know, I don't I don't expect Darby to be back for Washington, but he's starting to practice. And Sidney Jones is now oddly in some kind of window where he has 21 days to start potentially practicing with the team. I think it's way too soon. They're not trying to raise expectations with that. But you're you're seeing a team that's getting a little bit more healthy as time goes by. And and look, they did this last night without Lane Johnson pretty significant the last two weeks they won without Fletcher Cox on the defense against Arizona and then they won without Lane Johnson on the offense that's look I, I I would like to not go with 
out either one of them. Me but too. if you had to choose which one, you you have to have Lane Johnson is the one you have to have. They 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 covered rather well for that last night. Uh, it was certainly a concern that I had going in. Um, but look, the Eagles are now five and one, and their final ten opponents currently have a record of eighteen and thirty. It's not quite. I mean, the, it's amazing. We you know we we did the breakdown before the season. It was you know the Eagles have a tough schedule. The way it lays out with the road and home games, they're through some of those road games. Some of the other teams that they're playing now, you know, you look at the Giants who basically have you know the ball boy out at wide receiver. You've got Dallas, who we'll talk about a little more in the next segment between Ezekiel Elliott and what they've got going on in that locker room over the the controversy over the protests and and everything like that. I, I mean, the the NFC East is wide open. The Eagles have one more win than the whole NFC East combined. Just think about that for a second. You know, I, I don't know if it's really that wide open. I th- I think that the door could be look. You don't want to be premature. But I think the door can be shut with next week's Monday night game. Right now in the NFC East, the Eagles are five and one. Washington's two and two. Dallas is two and three and they have off this week. And the Giants are long gone at 0 and five. So if the Eagles win next week and go to six and one, they're gonna be three games up on Washington. They still might be three games up on Washington if Washington loses this week. And if that happens, you got ten games left and you're up by three. That is a pretty damn good lead for the Eagles to have at this point in the season. I mean, look, you go six and four in those final ten, you end up with eleven wins. Like you put yourself yep. in a position where we're not having the conversation we had at the start of the season about potentially squeaking into the playoffs. That's not the conversation that people are having right now. It's looked at very differently. Expectations have risen for this team, especially if you listen to the radio today. My God, people are booking their tickets right now for Minnesota. No, 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 no. Nobody's booking tickets for Minnesota for any reason. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's they should. It's going to be a little bit cold there. I don't think they should. I enjoyed the people on Twitter who said this game is over um, before Carolina got the ball back and almost drove a little bit. It was like, oh, yeah, which, go ahead. Which time? Carolina had two shots at the end of the game. Yeah, it's like, go ahead. You live with that jinx if you did that. No yeah. problem. Um, anything else that you saw this week? Uh, the Eagles are really in pretty good shape right now. Um I, I like the can. run game. Right? Again, LeGarrette Blunt, a significant time. Smallwood will become more healthy. Um, Clement there, you know, you, you had Barner almost drop one on the, the punt there for the return. But this team, no matter what injuries they face, Sproles going out, um, Smallwood not being in, they've just sort of had that next man up. They come in, they they continue to pound. They went into Carolina on the road with your second-year quarterback who ran this offense like a veteran who was calm as anything and who had been this before. It's great to see if you're an Eagles fan right now. And Zach Ertz is finally living up to his potential, which is nice to see. Zach Ertz is a beast. Uh, According to Elias, he is the first Eagles tight end in franchise history with four touchdown catches in the first 16 games of a season. Uh, He really has turned into... He's taken the Jordan Matthews role of, of Wentz's safety blanket and sort of lived up to some of the potential that people are looking for. Uh, it's really well, that, been... That, look, in, in today's offenses, uh, t- tight ends have taken over as that safety blanket and is the main guy. And the Eagles now have that guy. And Alshon Jeffrey, to my surprise, 
has had a much better season and healthier season, which is also added to this. Wentz, Wentz has a variety of options to go to, and he's using his checkdowns and making the right decisions. Well, I'm going to let you have the last word in this segment. We'll head to break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about the NFL, and I'll let you give me the legal update on what's going on with Ezekiel Elliott. Stick with us if you want to join in the conversation or discuss something else. Call 888-728-9941. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports. This is Jason Springer along with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, you still with us down there in Florida? I am. All right. It hasn't started raining yet. It's important that you're here because I need my legal update of what is going on right now. Okay. So. (laughs) Well, Brett's got his hand on the button. uh, Yeah, dynamite drop in there, Monty. Way to be. Brett, you have one job, literally. All you got to do is press a button. What happened there? What was the delay that, that led to. Um, I was still having the outro, uh, the bumper playing, so I had to fade it out. N- Am I nobody, breaking the fourth wall? Nobody on the radio knows what you're talking about right now. They're like driving along going, wait, what happened? Why couldn't he just press the button? I He's did. a Chiefs fan. They're a little slow. Well, I'll let you take that up with the Chiefs fan when you come back in next week. But <laughs> we are now ready for you to give me a legal update and explain exactly what happened yesterday because – Apparently now Ezekiel Elliott is suspended for he's reinstated his suspension for six games. In fact, I just got a alert from Bleacher Report that the NFLPA filed a petition with the Fifth Circuit for a rehearing of the case. Jeff, explain this to me. What is going on here? Well, well, let me let me say good luck to that. That's not going to get them anywhere. Okay, but but so here here here's the uh, short version. Ezekiel Elliott, as everybody knows, uh, was suspended by the NFL for six games for a variety of alleged misdeeds. Under the collective bargaining agreement, players have to file a grievance with an arbitrator that has been selected by the NFL. Uh, As they were going through that process, the NFL Players Association decided not to wait until the arbitrator made his final ruling and went straight into federal court in Texas. Why would they do that? Seek an injunction. Why would they do that? Because, because they were concerned about what the outcome was. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to head it off at the pass. 
and they were contending. I think some of it was they wanted the, the public to know, and they wanted to be in the court of public opinion that this was not a fair arbitration, that evidence supposedly was not getting in that they thought should be in. Um, but th- So they filed in federal court. The federal judge issued a restraining order against the league from imposing the six-game penalty, which is why you've gotten to see Ezekiel Elliott over the last couple of weeks, even though he hasn't exactly been impressive while he's out there. So what happened was, is after that TRO was granted, that was appealed to the Fifth Circuit, their Circuit Court of Appeals, for each of the federal courts. And a three-panel Court of Appeals in a two-to-one decision said that the temporary restraining order that was issued against the NFL was inappropriate, and now the the six-game suspension has been reinstated. And the reasoning that they gave for this was they said the decision is not right. Now, you've heard me mention that before. And like what a banana? that means is, <laughs> yeah, all sorts of fruits. No, what basically what they, what they are saying is is that you have to exhaust the remedies that were available to you under the collective bargaining agreement. By the if the NFLPA would have waited to file this until after the arbitrator had made his final ruling, then they then they might have upheld it. But because they decided to jump in before the arbitrator actually made his ruling, they said it wasn't ripe and it wasn't appropriate for them to do it. Now, the the NFLPA actually cleverly tried to make the argument that, look, once once the arbitrator told us they weren't going to allow in certain evidence, it's it's getting to, to the point that what they should need to do is they're not going to be able, the arbitrator's not going to be able to make a final decision that's appropriate anyway. So by leaving out the evidence, essentially the case was over. Pellet Division said, no, that's not the case. So now they have a choice. They can file the appeal uh, or an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. They can do what you just told me that they did, which is they could ask for a rehearing with the appellate division, which usually doesn't get you very far. Or they can go to New York and try to refile it there. But the problem is, is in New York, the courts have ruled in favor of the NFL in similar cases, including the Brady case. So it's unlikely they're going to want to go to New York because they perceive New York to be favorable to the NFL. So if nothing changes, the Cowboys have a bye next week. When they come back off their bye, Ezekiel Elliott will be suspended. For six weeks. Which would would mean that he would miss Eagles-Dallas in Week 11, potentially. Correct. If you're Dallas, you know, you've had a tough start to the season. Do you want him to just serve the suspension and get it over with at this point? What what do you want to do? I mean, I'm never going to tell you to, you know, be Jerry Jones or put yourself in his shoes because I know that's challenging for you. Yeah, please don't. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But what do you do if you're Dallas? I think I think you get it over with, but there are bigger issues. Look, you see right now that the NFL and the NFLPA aren't exactly the best of buds. And and right right now the NFLPA believes that the NFL has too much power in particular that Roger Goodell has too much power. And the NFLPA is trying to find different ways to cut back his authority. So they keep coming up with these cases, the Brady case and now this case where they're trying different arguments to kind of cut back on the power that he has. So it's not even necessarily Ezekiel Elliott. This is, this is a bigger issue from the NFLPA, and if you look at the 
title on the case, the parties are the NFL versus the NFLPA. So, so this is really a battle between the Players Association and the owners. Okay, so that's my legal update for the day. Now let's get to what happened in the last week in terms of taking a knee. Because a lot has happened. Um, Mike Pence decided to go to a football game on Sunday. Apparently he was surprised to learn that San Francisco 49ers take a knee. Was this news to you, Jeff? Is there anybody that believes that? Was this news to you? No, come on. No, come on. Look, look, you you work in politics. You know that there are advanced teams for everything, right? Yes. So, so do you not think that he has a whole staff at his disposal that tells him every place he goes exactly what's going to happen, who's going to be there, what he can anticipate, so he can plan out everything? If they're he's good say? at what they do, that's what they do. Correct. So there, there's absolutely no way that he didn't know that. Plus, what the team that the Colts were playing was who? The Forty ers who have done and the, the 49ers same thing. Are the one team. They've done the same thing. They last week. The week before, they did the same thing. Their bunch of players kneeled with players standing behind them. That's what they've done. This started in San Francisco. This was a convenient ability for them to continue to raise the issue and try to make it about the flag rather than what people are protesting. And I told you this on the air last week, and you and I have had lots of conversations about this from before the president said things to after. The people who are protesting are losing the public relations debate right now. Everything that's asked or said is about the flag and patriotism, not why they are doing what they're doing. And so now you have Jerry Jones, league savior, talking to Donald Trump, being the bad guy for his team, who's now put his players in an untenable position, saying, you must stand. What, what well, would- what would you do if you look, look at look at the timeline for what happened here? If you remember, before the president came out and said anything, Malcolm Jenkins and a group of NFL players went to the NFL because they wanted to do something to bring out issues of social justice. Remember that? Yep. So, so when that happened, at that moment, I believe there were six players or so in the entire NFL that were actually kneeling. They go and they because they realized that point had been made, and they were moving on. It was it was no it was no longer going to be an issue, and then the president made it an issue again, and and by by Jerry Jones deciding to say in the following order, I spoke to the president, and now I'm going to tell my players that they have to stand or they're going to be suspended or there's going to be some penalty. You've now put the players in a position where they cannot stand because they are not these are athletes they have spent their entire life battling to win they're not about to stop and 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 just lose and just kowtow to somebody telling them that they stand up the issue has become has changed as you said and the issue is no longer the issue that it was supposed to be. It was going to go away. There were going to be positive things done by the NFL and the NFLPA. And now it's become a political, forgive the reference, but a political football. That, that's the situation not, not that, accidentally. that they've been put in. Like, that's the thing that, sure. that I cannot excuse. If, if somebody accidentally made it into a political football, that's one thing. This is purposeful. This is meant to distract and divide and to 
engender anger and emotion for people to distract what the real purpose of the people who were making the stand were doing. Uh, I mean, the, it wasn't ever about what they're saying it's about now. And that's the challenge you have. I mean, I go back to my politi- political messaging background. It's a it's a fight over messages. And right now, the people who are protesting may be making progress in terms of having a discussion with league officials and meeting with local uh, law enforcement and moving that dialogue forward and making some of that change that they want. But in terms of the PR battle for perception, they're being turned into spoiled millionaires who want to make their own stand as opposed to people who are standing up who have a voice for others who don't. And, and that is just an unfortunate fact of how this has started to be painted. And everybody who talks about it now from the NFL side looks at it from a business perspective. Look, I'm not going to question somebody's motives here, but Jerry Jones didn't care about it until Donald Trump cared about it, until it's impacting his bottom line for business. He didn't care what people were doing it last year. When when has Jerry Jones ever cared about anything other than himself? Can can we talk about the hypocrisy of that? That Jerry Jones right now is defending somebody who allegedly had domestic abuse against a woman and at the same time is saying that somebody who's trying to peacefully make a statement is unacceptable? Like, that is literally going on at the exact same time. Yeah, don't forget, Jerry Jones was the same guy who might have brought in one of the worst of the worst Greg in the Hardy. history of the NFL and Greg Hardy. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. Throw a woman on a bed, but don't dare take a knee. I, I, look, yeah, and, I understand, okay? To... The flag, people, it's emotional for people. And, you know, we all have the people that we talk to. We have people that we know that we're in the service. There is varied opinions all over the place. I looked, I was down at the Eagles game uh, on Sunday in Carolina. Lots of people wearing shirts that say, I'm an Eagles fan and I stand for the anthem. This is not about for them protesting injustice. That may be what the people who are protesting want it to be about. But for the people who are making it about the flag, it's an emotional issue for them about what they view as disrespect to this country. And that's not what the protesters intended it to. Well, and I think the issue is going to go away. If you noticed last night, at least upon the broadcast that we watched down here, they did not show the national anthem. I've been asking you that. Tell me before last year when somebody took a knee, when they showed the national anthem on television. Only for like the big games, for like the Super Bowl or... Like, the, like when there was a flyover. Yes, like that's when they do it. They don't. It, this is about driving a news cycle, not making social change or protecting a flag. Well, but the, but see that that's what made what Jerry Jones did so so awful is is that the issue could have gone away. They could have decided beforehand: one, we're not going to televise this; two, we're going to meet with the players, which is exactly what they're doing now and finding a way to get the, the message out that the players want to get out without offending a group of people. And that was on its way to happening until Jerry Jones put them in the position that now he's, they cannot stand because they refuse to lose on just the rhetoric. It's, the NFL is going to meet next week with the NFLPA and, and the commissioner and, and discuss this further. Um, you've seen some reporting that said that they're going to order the players to stand. Uh, this is going to continue to be talked about, and I'm just going to point out Colin Kaepernick's still not playing football. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you, you, there's no point in you pointing it out anymore because he will. Uh, I do not think that he will ever play another down in the NFL. Which is right I mean, or wrong. I, I would be willing to bet you he never. Look, look at the 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 quarterbacks that are coming into play. I know, and that are getting backup jobs as injuries pile up. Matt Stafford may be hurt. Um, he's questionable for this week, but they have they have a backup who's a two year to your guy, Jake Rudock, and I don't know what else they have, and I bet you they won't bring him in if, if uh, Stafford's hurt long term. Nah, we've, we've passed that point. All right, let's move on to our picks. Uh, not a very good week for either of us. Slightly better for me than no, you. you were, say it. You were 4-9 and nine last week, Jeff. That's tough. Oh. Um, I was 6-7. and seven. Brett does not approve of your 4-9 and nine record. He's giving you a head shake behind the glass. For the season, you're now 30-28. and 28. I'm 33-25. and 25. All right, got a couple minutes before we head to break. Let's run through these. Giants at the Broncos. Will anybody be able to catch the ball against the Broncos for your Giants? No, and, and, and I think the safest bet is if you go to Vegas, if there's any line where you, can, where you can bet on whether or not the Giants score an offensive point. I'm telling you, unless they get close enough for a field goal, there is no way that the Giants are scoring a touchdown. So you're telling it me I shouldn't happen. start Eli Manning in fantasy? No. <laughs> Uh, Eli Manning wouldn't start Eli Manning in fantasy. All right, we're both going with the Broncos. Dolphins at the Falcons. Uh, it's another no-brainer for me, Falcons. But then again, I was four and nine last week. <laughs> I'm, that's why I'm concerned. <laughs> I've got a bunch of picks that are similar to you, so I'm like really concerned here. I'm going with Falcons too. Bears at the Ravens. We are both taking the Ravens. Uh, fighting Mitch Trubisky's go on the road for the first time. We will see what what happens in that game. Browns at the Texans. The big question is, will the Browns ever win? <laughs> will they ever win again? Ever. <laughs> we are, we are both taking the Texans, who had a tough, in, tough injuries on defense last week. Whitney Merciless is out for the season. J.J. Watt gone for the season. Yeah, it has to pain you to see an injury like that for somebody who's done so much for this league. Last week, there were more season-ending injuries of star players than I can remember in a long time. Very difficult to watch. Very hard for the league in general. Packers at Vikings? Packers. It doesn't look like Sam Bradford's going to be playing again. He tried to go last week, needed and hold up. Uh, Case Keenum will take the ball again. I've got the Packers as well. Lions against the Saints in New Orleans? Well, I, I have the Lions, but it's a little bit iffy now because Matt Stafford's questionable, but he says he's going to give it a go. So as long as he's going, I got the Lions. And I'm going with New Orleans because I don't think Stafford's going to be himself, and New Orleans plays much better at home than they do on the road. So we'll see about that. Patriots at the Jets for first place in the AFC East, possibly? Yeah, what? what, what? What zone are we in that that apparently the Patriots and the Jets are on the same plateau? Well, look. In the fairness, Patriots everybody thought that a, everybody thought that a New York team would have would be winless. I just don't think they thought it'd be the Giants instead of the Jets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that even the Johnson family that owns the Jets didn't think that. So Tom Brady, I'm still, I'm still going with the Patriots. You're going with the Patriots. Tom Brady's had some injuries this season. Has really taken a beating back there. See whether um, they can keep getting it together. I'm taking the Patriots too, but uh, the Jets have played better than anybody thought. And as a friend pointed out, uh, once last time Kate McNown had won three games in a row, never. <laughs> so. Yeah, but he, but here's the problem: if you're a Jets fan. 
Did you want to win these games? So that was or my response. Did you res- want to get one of these that four was, quarterbacks? That was my out? response to him when he said that to me. I said, yeah, but is this a good thing? He goes, no, it's terrible. We all finally agreed we were going to lose. So Yeah, they're going to they're gonna end up with the 10th pick in the draft, and they're going to miss out on these four quarterbacks. Yeah, apparently not everybody agreed on losing. Uh, Niners at Washington. I don't know if you saw the Niners actually released Navarro Bowman. Um, they're going to go with Reuben Foster at the linebacker position there. Uh, we're both picking Washington. If Washington doesn't win this game, it's going to be hard for them to catch the Eagles if they don't win head-to-head the week after. I mean, you're on a bunch of ifs. Would, but this, this game is huge for the Eagles because the momentum just it, it would be insurmountable if Washington loses this game at home to the 49ers. Tampa Bay against the Cards in Arizona. What do you think after seeing uh, Carson Palmer last week? The Cardinals are done. They're cooked. And, and, I, and I know the next question you're going to ask me about Adrian but Peterson. But they signed Adrian it, Peterson. It, isn't, isn't Arizona the, now the place where old running backs go to die? So I it mean, appears. Seriously. What, what goes on over there? I know that Arizona is a good place to retire, but apparently it's not for running backs. So it appears. I don't know. Uh, Rams at Jaguars. Jaguars just beat up on the Steelers last week. It seemed like they made uh, Ben Roethlisberger question his abilities at quarterback. Uh, you're taking the Jags. I am taking the Jags, but anytime Blake Bortles is playing a game, it's always iffy. I was going to say, do you feel confident about picking Blake Bortles? Because I never feel comfortable no. when I pick Blake Bortles. No, it's, the, it's whether the rest of the team can make up for the fact that he's playing. I'm going with the Rams, but I have no good reason why. Steelers at the Chiefs. Uh, we know how Brett is rooting here. You and I are both picking the Chiefs. The Steelers have uh, not played well in weeks. They've had some disagreements over the, the anthem and the protests. Last week, Roethlisberger took a beating, bunch of interceptions. Um, we both talking talk retirement here. again. Yeah, the, the, right. the Steelers are the most dysfunctional team in the NFL right now. I don't know. Dallas is pretty good there. Yeah, it does make me smile, doesn't it? Doesn't it make you smile when you hear that? I never mind when Dallas is in turmoil. Chargers at the Raiders. You're going Raiders. How could you pick the Chargers in this game? Because I had to pick something different. What would make you think that the San Diego slash no home team Chargers could win on the road? They can't win at home. But it's not a home game at home, so what's the difference? And the Raiders don't have Derek Carr, and I've got to pick something different from you, so that's what I did. We'll see how All it right. works out Good for me. Good luck with that, but I don't, th- I don't think the Chargers are winning that game. Colts or Titans? Titans. I'm going with the fighting Jacoby Brissett. I've got the Colts. We'll see what happens with that. We'll see whether Marcus Mariota is healthy enough to play. Stick with us. We're going to head to break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little Sixers, little Major League Baseball, a little bit of Team USA not going to the World Cup. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. 
With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. This is the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer here with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, since we were last on the air, Joel Embiid got a lot more money. $146 million worth. Five-year, 140... 30 games in the, in the NBA? Five-year, $146 million extension. You're not sold on this. We argued about this on the air. I, I said, why wait? You know, if you're going to match him anyway. Um, well... Here, here was my here was my beef, and it appears to at least have been partially addressed. You're giving a guy who has been in the league. This will be his fourth year. The first two years he played exactly zero games. Last year he played a, a little over thirty games, and that's his NBA career. When he plays, he is a once in a generation transformational player. He is that good. He is that special. And his personality is amazing. I mean, he's everything you want in an athlete to represent a city. The problem is, is that because of these injuries, you do not want to be locked in, especially in a salary cap era, to $146 million. But the, the league, the Players Association, the Sixers, and Embiid's people got together and whipped up a 35-page contract that deals with his pre-existing injuries. Not, I mean, if he hurts it, a not different the part knee. of his body. Than not the hurt. knee. It's the foot Correct. and the back. But the, the foot and the back are going to be. So they have some cap protection as a result of this. And I'm actually surprised that the, the Players Association was as reasonable as it was about this. But it goes to show you the difference in relationships between the NFLPA and the NFL and the NBA Players Association and the NBA. Without a doubt. There's, and, n- and there's that, no way the NFL negotiates this with their, their union. It just doesn't They happen. would never even have sat down. They would have just said no and hung up the phone. No, and so the next day he makes his preseason debut, and he was just dominant. Uh, you know, it, I know it's a preseason game, but he's a man among boys. His skill level... Now, granted, every time he falls to the floor, I hold my breath until I see him get back up. And if he winces, I'm like, please sit him down. Don't, don't let him near anybody. I don't really like that he does a little step out on the pick and roll because it exposes his knee and his foot. Like, I am overly worried about everything that he does right now. But, man, when he well, does it, he looks good. Is, the question is whether or not we ever get past that. No, uh, I want to be able to enjoy him. I want to. I want to sit in that stadium, or I want to sit on my couch and watch him and just cheer away and not go. Oh no! Every time he steps on somebody else's foot, falls down when he charges down the lane, somebody else steps on his. foot. I got to be honest. Just, I do it when like, I see. I do it when I see Carson Wentz get hit now, and I've got no reason at this point. Like I, I just. I worry that, like, I'm excited that these players are the future of our sports. These are the players that my son's going to grow up watching and rooting for, that he's going to want to put their names on the back of his jerseys. 
And I don't want to see anything happen to that. You're on the verge of an exciting time in the sports for this city with the young players that aren't just young, but the immense talent that they have to really take over. Well, it's the same thing with Simmons. I mean, Simmons is 6'10", and he is, he is one of the better point guards out there. It, just watching his vision and his passing, he, he was built to be a point guard. He's just way too tall. He makes it look and, so easy. He yeah, just, but his court vision, his court vision is spectacular too. But he's not a very good shooter, and he's not a strong finisher. Those are things that he's going to have to work on to really develop his game into the star that everybody expects him to be. Yeah, that that's what concerns me about him is is shooting. And as much as I was concerned about his jump shot, what worries me is is when he is when he goes into the lane, he's got two choices: pass or go strong and lay it up. And it seems like when he goes strong and lays it up, he's waiting for more contact than he actually gets, and he always comes up short. And, and it's, it's odd to watch it because he keeps, he keeps anticipating something that's not going to happen. He's got to go stronger to the hoop, and he's either got to get fouled or he's got to start making those layups because that's going to make him even more effective. Well, you wonder if he On makes the some adjustments though, the more that he plays in the league. He may be expecting contact that he hasn't taken yet, and he'll get used to the fact that it's not going to come or that it is going to come yeah. and he's more prepared than he thinks. Plus, he's 6'10". It's not like Allen Iverson going into the lane. The guy is bigger than most of the guys that he's going into the lane against. His size is unbelievable. and But he's so effortless. And, and like I said, his court vision, I mean, he sees people on the break that, that you don't even realize are, are out there. And it, it's just and how about, fun to and watch. And how about Dario? How, how about watching? Dario has been itching to get on the court, and the Sixers have been trying to get him to rest because he did play in Europe. But when he gets on the court, uh, he's another one. He's got a great shot. He's got a great motor. It's watching those three is going to be special. The big concern is going to be who are the other two, and we assume that Fultz is going to be one of them. He's going to take some time. To, he's going to take some time to develop, and he's got some kind of shoulder injury where I don't know what he was trying to do at the foul line the other night, but it was awkward looking shooting those foul shots. Here's the deal: if, if you have a player who's who's hurt enough that he's changing his shot, sit him down. Then he should not be playing, especially in the preseason. Sit him and, down. But, it, doesn't it worry you just a little bit? I hope I'm wrong about this, but it worries me a little bit having watched the Sixers play the Celtics is that Jason Tatum seems like a stud already. He seems to have court presence, and it may turn out that that Fultz is good, but Tatum might be better, and the Celtics got that first pick. Well, you've had you've had people with previous picks that have asked those questions, and we're going to have to watch him develop. I'll say that the early results, you know, you don't want to panic, but in preseason it hasn't looked as m- what people would have hoped for from Fultz. Now let's talk a little bit about the excitement around this team because uh, when Embiid signed and it turned that he was going to play with Simmons for the first time on the court together on Wednesday night, that game wasn't supposed to be televised. It was only supposed to be on New York TV. All of a sudden people start contacting NBC Philadelphia and they decide to do a broadcast from the studio calling the game from Brooklyn. Same thing with tonight. Same thing with tonight's game. It wasn't going to be aired locally. You know the game in Kansas that you can't go to. 
But now that's going to be aired <laughs> hey, on NBC there's, Philadelphia, there's still too. hope it's early. Well, maybe you can watch the stream on NBC Philadelphia since you can't make it to the game. <laughs> but Darren Revelle tweeted something interesting. The Sixers have three of the ten most in-demand games on StubHub for tickets this season. So, you so know, it's, who, who are they? It's got to be the Warriors, the Cavaliers, and who's, what, the Lakers? It's the Celtics Sixers uh, is four, yeah. Warriors Sixers is five, and Sixers Knicks on Christmas Day is seven. So that's your... I'm surprised that, that I'm surprised that LeBron's not on there. Well, and, and a one, well, one and two are Kobe's retirement ceremony and Paul Pierce's retirement ceremony for the Celtics. Three is Cavs Warriors. So, you know, the, the okay. Sixers are the second most interesting game um, for fans on StubHub, apparently. So, you know, you're starting to see that excitement continue around another Philadelphia team. Just going to be fun to watch. Fingers crossed that everybody stays healthy. Flyers for a minute. They came home from a West Coast road trip, started 2-2. Two and two. Frustrating loss against Nashville. They could have come home 3-2. and two. They were down to start, or 3-1. Uh, and one. They were down to start in that game, battled back, and then had a maddening last few minutes, give up a couple penalties, a uh, couple goals, and the next thing you know, they're, they're losing. But they're coming back home. Two and two, they they have their first home game tomorrow night against the Capitals, and have five home games in their next eleven days for fans to see what's going on. You've been watching the Flyers, yeah? Jeff? Just a, just just a, just a uh, just a quick question, Hackstall. What was he doing? I have no idea. So, he tried so to ca- flyers, he tried to catch the them off sides, are... but it's now a penalty if you don't get it right. Yeah, so they were they were down. It was a five on three. They're up by a goal. They decide they score a goal, and the penalty is about to be over. And he decides that he's going to ask for a replay. Yeah, that was a bad. If move. you ask for a replay and lose, that's a penalty. So they went back on the power play and scored with about twenty seconds left. Hey Jeff, we got that about, was a frustrating game. We got about four minutes left, so let's talk a little World Cup and then MLB playoffs. World Cup. Seriously, what is going on? No World Cup. Apparently, nothing in the United States. And you mentioned to me about the opportunity lost here for USA Soccer. It, it, to, to me, with everything that's going on in football, and soccer becoming so popular mainly by people becoming fans of the European teams, you had a chance of USA Soccer growing even more than it has. We still don't have the stars in the MLS. But you had a chance, just like the last time, is if the U.S. goes a decent amount or goes far into a World Cup, the fervor gets more and more exciting, and they could have built upon this. Now you can now root for Iceland. Sitting home, yeah, well, exactly. Now you got to go for the. It's the Viking thunderclap. It is the smallest country by population to play ever play in the World Cup. They have three hundred thirty-five thousand people in Iceland. Ten percent of them, which actually were at the airport to greet them when they had made them, when they clinched getting into the when, world. When you're back in studio next week, we may ask you to do the Viking Thunderclap. Uh, Bruce Arena <laughs> won't be back uh, for Team USA, but it does look like the president of U.S. soccer will stay on. We'll definitely talk more about that in, in coming weeks. Little Major League Baseball playoffs. Last night's game went on forever, Jeff. I know baseball is exciting, but that was a long game. It, it, look, that, that was a totally mismanaged game, but that's what you expect when Dusty Baker's managing. I almost felt He's bad now, for Nationals fans, and then I realized that they were the Nationals. It, it, they, he, I think Dusty Baker is now 0 for 10 in uh, series clinching games. 
He used seven pitchers. He decided to use Scherzer as a relief pitcher. Nothing he did made sense, but to the Cubs' credit, they decided to match them in bad moves because they had eight pitchers go. So he had 15 pitchers in the game, and the game ended 27 minutes before the last train that you could take out of the stadium. And about an hour and a half after the football game. (laughs) Yeah. But it's over. And and, now we're on to some good series. I mean, the Astros and the Yankees should be a solid series. Everybody should watch out for Jose Altuve. And you got the Dodgers and the Cubs, so you got Chase Utley to root for. Baseball has to be happy. They've got some big markets from New York to Chicago to L.A. Um, you got Houston thrown in there, but but you want to talk about big markets to watch games. Um, that'll give them some of the ratings they like. In fact, uh, the NLDS ratings were up 22% over the ALDS last year on TBS for whatever that's worth. So we'll see whether that trend continues. Final few seconds, Jeff. Any last words coming to us from Florida as you try to track the Sixers to Kansas? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. SOS to the Philadelphia Sixers. If you have a Gulfstream that you could uh, let us have, uh, me and my firm would be glad to get on it and go root on the Sixers in Lawrence, Kansas. When you come back next week, tell us about how that went. Hopefully you arrived there safely. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us this week on The Heart of Sports. Thanks for Brett behind the glass, even if he is wearing a Kansas City Chiefs sweatshirt. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.